I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. The Whistling in the Dark podcast by Patrick Bradley. I'm pro-organization, but uh, anti-government. The difference between simple human organization and government is the use of aggressive violence. It comes across to me like, you know, pro wrestling, some fake two-sided battle, you know, between people that behind scenes are friends. There's an old saying in Tennessee, I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once. Shame on Shame on you. It fooled me. We can't get fooled again. Hello and welcome back to the Whistling in the Dark podcast. I am Patrick Bradley. Today is Saturday, March 23rd, 2019. And this is episode 30. So somewhat of a milestone. You're listening to the sounds of the uh, 19th straight week of the Yellow Vest protests in Paris. Uh, It's been a pretty big couple of weeks of news since I have been on. There was a really, really uh, big mass shooting in New Zealand. And uh, just just the other day, uh, I think Friday... Mueller uh, finally wrapped up the investigation with no indictments. So I'm going to talk about all that and uh, several other topics as well. So uh, real quick, I want to get out up front. I always forget to do this until the end. Uh, But where you can find me in the meantime, in between episodes, you can find me um, on Twitter as Patrick J. Bradley. You can uh, find the Whistling in the Dark page on Facebook. Just search Whistling in the Dark podcast. And uh, I am on Gab. Uh, and I'm Whistling in the Dark, all all one word on there. Um, yeah, please reach out. Uh, I had I had mentioned it uh, last, uh, last episode towards the end. But, you know, it was, it's great to get feedback. I had a listener... Uh, John sent me some messages and they, you know, it was actually, uh, it was actually really nice. Um, you know, he had some, some good stuff to say and also got him an invite to Gab. That's another thing. So I have a Gab premium, premium account. Um, so I can actually, uh, I, I believe that, uh, you can't just go to Gab right now and sign up. Not really sure what the deal is with that. But anyway, um, if you do want to get on, just, Send me a message at any one of those uh, locations, Facebook, Twitter, Gab, uh, and I will, uh, I'll get you out an invite code. Um, right now, I, uh, I still have codes, so let me know. Uh, okay, so back to uh, the news here. So I am, um, yeah, so just real quick, I don't have much to say about the Yellow Vest protests uh, as far as uh, this week. This week in particular, I guess, was like pretty pretty mellow. Last week, um, they burned down uh, like a pretty historic res- uh, like restaurant or something in a very you know wealthy area of Paris. And I guess that had gotten some news. 
apparently they people think it was like pretty symbolic or something because uh, a politician had his like victory party there or something like that but um i i think the numbers of people participating in the um in the protests is is declining but this is the 19th straight week and they are really are all over um you know not just in paris and uh and <clears throat> maybe in the next episode or two i'll uh maybe try to do a summary of you know what sort of what has what change has occurred since these protests besides just you know a bunch of injuries and a few deaths um and a bunch of property being destroyed <clears throat> you know has anything actually happened i believe there's been some some things like maybe with minimum wage and i don't know but we will uh i, I don't really want to get into that um because we had some you know pretty big uh stuff come down so the first thing was the uh shooting down in new zealand uh where you know 50 people were killed at the christchurch mosques uh or two two mosques in in christchurch new zealand um so uh yeah it, you know and this was the um i mean i'm coming at this eight days uh after it happened so i would assume you know everybody that is tuning into this is already pretty well aware of it i could do you know a brief summary i was actually looking at i, I thought it was kind of interesting i was looking at some news articles um and one of the things i found that was sort of weirdly you know like there's like a full video of one of the moss where he, I, I think he killed the bulk of the people uh you know and i i woke up on friday uh and saw that there was this link and i watched the whole video just sitting in my bed <laughs> friday is pretty uh pretty dark beginning to a uh, a weekend um but you know the the news coverage of it that I found and now granted, I, I actually was like a, at a cabin that weekend with a bunch of people and, um, you know, I didn't have a chance to, to like really, you know, kind of dig in and see what was going on. Um, but it, you know, it was, it was kind of funny. I mean, it really wasn't, um, until after the weekend that I actually realized that there were two mosques in the, um, you know, in the shootings is that the live stream just sort of has him driving to one of the mosques and then, you know, he gets guns, goes in, shoots a bunch of people, goes back out to his car, gets, uh, I guess, different guns, shoots some people outside as well, goes back into the mosque, shoots a bunch of people, mostly just he started just shooting dead bodies and stuff, then went back out. He, uh, it looked like he was going to get he looked like he had cans of like those red plastic cans of gasoline. Uh, so I'm not sure if they, that's what that was or if they were actually bombs um, or if he was just going to maybe burn the, the mosques down. I, I don't know. But he sort of went for them and grabbed it, grabbed one of them and then just decided against it. And that, that was like his second trip back in. Uh, and then he got back in his car and he was driving, uh, driving away. No police, like whatsoever. Um, and then he, uh, then he starts getting really. Then uh, he, he like takes a shotgun out and tries to shoot somebody through his car window. Uh, 
uh, and then starts shooting through his windshield and shoots some tries to shoot some people through the the passenger side window and stuff. Um, I'm not really sure. I, I I couldn't really tell. I mean, I only watched this. You know, like I I didn't definitely did not like study this thing, but uh, I I decided to just to go through and watch it. You know, there's some stuff I haven't watched. I've never seen one of those beheading videos. I've sort of drawn the line there, I guess. Um, I guess uh, you just gotta you gotta know your you know you gotta know your own limits, and I really feel like that's some kind of limit to me. Um, I just don't really want to see that. Um, I've never watched those videos of somebody, well, when like ISIS puts people in cages and burns them alive. Uh, so I haven't never watched that, but this, uh, I did want to watch, um, seemed pretty, you know, sort of pretty historic and I don't know. Yeah. It was crazy. And, um, Anyway, so that was like the whole video. The, vi uh, the the video just ends. He's he's driving away. He's driving pretty crazy. Um, I think maybe people say you can hear like sirens in the video, uh, but it definitely cuts off. I don't know if he cut it off or Facebook finally after 17 minutes like cut off the live stream of a, a mass murder. Um, but yeah, so that's you know was basically what I knew and. Um, uh, but apparently that video is actually the second mosque. So he actually shot, um, well, let me, let me read the little Wikipedia summary. So the Christchurch mosque shootings were two consecutive terrorist attacks at mosques in Christchurch, uh, during Friday prayer on March 15th, 2019, the attacks began at the Al Noor mosque in the suburb of Ricartan at 1.40 p.m. and continued at the Linwood Islamic Center at about 1.55. The gunman live-streamed the... Oh, he live-streamed the first attack on Facebook Live. Sorry. Um, the attacks killed 50 people and injured 50 more. A 20-year-old Australian man described the media reports as a white supremacist and part of the quote-unquote alt-right was arrested and charged with murder. The attacks have been linked to an increase in white supremacism and alt-right extremism globally observed since the mid-2010s. Uh, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern referred to the attacks as one of New Zealand's darkest days. Politicians and world leaders condemned the attacks. It is the deadliest mass shooting in modern New Zealand history. Um they do have some links here uh, about so the attacks have been linked. So um, obviously this man was very racist. Uh, I think calling him an alt-right. Uh, I mean, if if you looked at this manifesto he put out, um, he described himself as like an eco-fascist. Um, clearly that is not alt-right. Uh, yeah, he, he wanted, you know, managed markets and, you know, he, he, he definitely wasn't, you know, a conservative. He was just racist. So I guess, I guess now the only, uh, qualification to be alt-right is, are you racist or not? If you're racist, you're alt-right. So even, you know, safe Harbor for all racists, just, you know, just be a Democrat or something in the United States. And it's impossible to be considered racist then, uh, 
And yeah, doesn't matter what else you think. If you're racist, you're you're on the right. So, um, but let's see. Uh, so these have been linked. So they say the attacks have been linked to an increase in white supremacism and alt-right extremism globally. That's 20 and 21. Christchurch shootings, questions over alt-right hate monitoring following shooting. Alt-right extremists are not being monitored effectively. New Zealand massacre highlights global reach of white extremism. And the observer view on the Christchurch shootings, we've been too slow to see the far right threat. So, uh, not surprisingly, you know, they're blaming it on the alt right. You know, we were we were talking um, some friends of mine over the last week, a couple different times. We were talking about um, the stark difference in the the uh, Las Vegas shootings, and. Um, so let's just read this real quick. Um, on the night of October 1st, 2017, Stephen Paddock opened fire on a crowd of concert goers uh, at the this music festival in Las Vegas Strip. Paddock, 64-year-old man from Mesquite, Nevada, fired more than 1,100 rounds from his suite on the 32nd floor of Mandalay Bay, killing 58 people and leaving eight 151 of them injured over 400 of them by gunfire <clears throat> the shooting occurred between 10.05 and 10.15 about an hour later Paddock was found dead in his room from a self-inflicted gun shot wound his motive remains unknown uh, yeah so the interesting thing about the Stephen Paddock shooting in Vegas is you there's no motive there's there's just like absolutely nothing uh about you know paddock's leanings and i don't know you know we were talking about i mean maybe they're literally uh that's it uh you know he had no maybe he had no political affiliations and he just he just snapped um so that seems unlikely <laughs> uh and it seems un you know unbelievable you know that somebody would would go to that um you know those lengths let's just read this section and and i'm reading this like cold so i'm not sure what this is going to say but there's leading up to the shooting this is in the stephen paddock uh, Wikipedia article. During his last months, Paddock reportedly smelled like alcohol from early morning and appeared despondent. He was reported to have filled three prescriptions for the anti-anxiety drug Valium and again in 2016 and 2013 and again in 2016 and finally 50 tablets in June 2017, four months before the shooting. So, I mean getting Valium four months before the shooting uh, is a pretty, um, all that is like um, not really good information. I don't care that he was doing Valium four months before he did this. The chief medical officer of Las Vegas said the effects of the drugs can be magnified by alcohol is confirmed. <laughs> yeah. 
crypto, yeah, drinking and Valium um, is more than just taking Valium. During an interview uh, with affiliate, uh, whatever, this person, Clark County Sheriff, said Paddock had reportedly been losing a significant amount of wealth since September, which led him to having bouts of depression. Paddock's gun purchases spiked significantly between October 2016 and September 28th, just two days before the shooting. He purchased over 55 firearms, majority of them rifles. He also purchased a number of firearm-related accessories. Prior to that, he had purchased approximately 29 firearms between 82 and 2016, mainly handguns and shotguns. At his, at his suggestion, two weeks before the attack, his girlfriend went to her native country in the Philippines. Paddock bought her a surprise airline ticket soon after, wired her $100,000 to buy a house there. He was spotted in Las Vegas with another woman, reported by investigators to be a prostitute. It has been confirmed that she was not an accomplice and was not considered a suspect. Her name has not been released. Two days prior to the shooting, Paddock was recorded by home surveillance system driving alone to an area for target practice located near his home in a jailhouse interview with an unemployed chef who claimed that he had offered to sell paddock schematics for automatic firearms the chef said that paddock had spoken of anti-government conspiracies and had claimed fema actions after hurricane katrina were a dry run for law enforcement and military to start kicking down doors and confiscating guns. The man went on to say the paddock was another internet nut, you know, watching too much of it and believing too much of it. So there you go. So I, I'm surprised that you, you have to dig this far to, to find this. But again, I mean, so, so somebody that's worried about the government confiscating guns, um, I mean, you know, take it with a grain of salt, I guess, like going to shoot a bunch of people. You don't have to like necessarily be employing sound logic, but uh, that's, you know, pretty illogical. Um, but I like how the guy that was going to sell him schematics for the firearms is the source to say that he was like a conspiracy theory nut. So that's that's the uh, the source for that. And um, yeah. And we were talking the other day, like why? Uh, I mean, I. I am about 100% certain that you can get, uh, you can convert an AR-15 to fully automatic uh, and you don't need to buy schematics for automatic firearms from uh, some unemployed chef. <laughs> A jailhouse interview with an unemployed chef. Yeah, so that's, I'm glad Wikipedia has that in there. Um yeah, so anyway, not much. I mean, I definitely take that with a grain of salt. Uh, there's a lot of really weird stuff. I remember there are uh, a lot of conspiracy theories going around around the Vegas shooting. I mean, it took so long for them to show, you know, any, um, like, any, uh, any surveillance video. I mean, they did finally bring it out. I mean, that, that was that was good at least you saw that this dude i mean it seemed you know i i think it's pretty well settled now that paddock did bring all these guns into his uh room now whether you know he was a gun runner i mean that you know we we were talking about this too it's like you know i mean he's shooting for 10 minutes um why 
you know, why did he need, I mean, what, like he had like 50 guns up there or something. I mean, it doesn't, you know, I, I just feel like the focus would be more on having some backups and, and, uh, you know, ammo or whatever, but it seemed really odd. But again, I mean, maybe the dude just completely snapped, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, and I guess that's, you know, that's like the idea right behind like gun regulation is gun control is, uh, you know, how do you spot that? How do you, you know, how do you spot that somebody's just completely like lost their mind? Um, but maybe he didn't. I don't know. I'm a lot more open to like Vegas conspiracy theory ones. Um, you know, I mean, you got this guy in a room that, I mean, and so, you know, again, like, Uh, the shooting occurred between 10.05 and 10.15. About an hour later, Paddock was found dead. So it took them, you know, over an hour to get to him. Uh, I mean, it just, to me, that makes almost no sense. There, There's a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I tend to go pretty light on conspiracy theory stuff, um, you know, on this podcast. So I'm not. And and this particular one, I haven't like delved really, really deeply into, uh, but there's just a lot of different things that you know sit pretty weird. Um, anyway, but that that was really just to talk about uh, the fact that this guy had like, um, you know, Paddock, as far as we know, had had absolutely no reason. So. Um, so the Wikipedia article on the New Zealand mass murder, what do they say? They say that, uh, you know, so they're, uh, they're, uh, they say it as if um, the attacks have been linked to an increase in white supremacism and alt-right extremism globally observed since the mid-2000s. And they give this link. Uh, which is a New York Times article. Certainly no research here, just a New York Times article. Um, so, you know, so let's think about that. Um, the fact that, right, so you want to go to Wikipedia, right, like to be, to maybe you feel like you're looking at something more object objective, but, I mean, Wikipedia is using New York Times as the source you know, for uh, what I would say is like a um, pretty, in I mean, it's like a pretty pretty big claim that uh, the attacks have been linked to an increase in white supremacism and alt right extremism globally observed since the mid 2010s. Right? I mean, you know, you don't have to like, <laughs> you don't have to be a you know. A genius to know that that is like code for Donald Trump, mid 2000s, right? Like, or mid 2010s, right? I mean, so it's like whenever you know, when did Trump declare his presidency? I mean, was it in or is it uh, that he was going to run in like 2015? You know, 2016. You know, that was the election, right? So, I mean, that's what it is. So anyway, so here's the article. So let's just. Uh, well, actually, I should look to see how big this article is before I start reading um so yeah so uh I'm let's just see if we can get a 
their sort of thesis in the beginning. The massacre of 49 people in New Zealand Friday highlights the contagious ways in which extreme right ideology and violence have spread in the 21st century, even to a country that had not experienced a mass shooting for more than two decades and which is rarely associated with the extreme right. New Zealand may be thousands of miles from Europe or the United States, but videos of the killer show that he was deeply entrenched in the global far right, a man familiar with the icon iconography in jokes and I don't know what a shibboleth is of different extremist groups from across Europe, Austria, and North America, as well as the native of the extreme right ecosystem online. And also he is an eco-fascist and also wants to have managed markets. So he's more, you know, leaning towards democratic socialism. He just wants it for white people. Ethnocentric democratic socialist. <laughs> Uh, a manifesto linked to the accused killer uh, released through his social media account on the morning of the massacre uh, suggested its author considered himself a disciple and comrade of white supremacist killers. Um, the suspect identified in court papers as Brenton Harrison Tarrant of Australia also hailed Trump, mocking his leadership skills, but calling him a symbol of renewed white identity and common purpose. Also in this, he talked about how his goal was to like start a race war and basically like he wanted to, you know, kind of include as many like right wing people and you know, to like get some sort of overreaction or whatever. Mr. Tarrant was charged on Saturday with murder in connection with the killings. The author was particularly influenced by ideas and message of Anders Breivik, far-right Norwegian terrorist who murdered 77 people in 2011 and whose own rambling 1,500-page manifesto inspired several copycat uh, extremists. Again, so 2011, not the mid 2010s, has this is like pre, you know, George Bush or I mean pre Donald Trump. Uh, okay. Indeed, the manifesto was a who's who of white supremacist killers. Um, Dylan Roof, the white supremacist who killed the people in South Carolina. I feel like there was something weird about that too. Uh. The ubiquity of social media as well as the accessibility of websites such as 4chan and 8chan where the extreme right congregate online allowed him to immerse himself easily in extremist conversation. But he live streamed the mass murder on Facebook. So somehow Facebook evades, you know, any blame or any connection here. Um. All right, so I, this is like a really, really loot. So I mean, I, I mean, I've just read like a page or so of this article, and that Wikipedia is claiming as a source for um, the attacks being linked to an increase in white supremacist uh, supremacism. And I've been skipping a little bit. All right, people who read this stuff are just as likely to be in New Zealand, Norway, or Canada as they are in America. You know, uh, the internet is borderless. Not only is it borderless, places like 4chan were built for white ring extremists. You have anonymity if you wish. Um, and these posts indictment aren't going to be taken down immediately. So they, I don't, I mean, 4chan is not built for right wing extremists. 
That's just wrong. That's false. Um, yeah, see, but, you know, the idea of anonymity, right? They don't, they don't want you to be anonymous online. And I don't think that that's some special thing that only right people on the right uh, care about. I'm not on the right. I'm a libertarian. We're like obsessed, you know, with privacy. <laughs> uh, then they have a um, a little figure here <clears throat> that shows mosque attacks in the West from 2010 to 2017 uh, in Europe. There's been an increase and then a decrease in North America. You know, there's been an increase, but, you know, I mean, you're talking about uh, the peak in 2015, there were 21 attacks, right? But in Europe, it's more like 10 or less. In the U.S., 2017 was the first year there was more than 10. Uh, and then they show Oceania, which had zero in 2017. Um, looks like it might have had two and 16, one and 15 or two and three or it's hard to hard to say. And looks like they had one maybe in 2010 and a bunch of zeros otherwise. Anyway, um, so certainly not, you know, there's been a decline in Europe and the bulk of the I mean, if you look at this plot, Europe has significantly more mosque attacks than North America and Oceania combined. I'm not sure why on earth they would include Oceania because it's definitely not proving their point. But if the manifesto highlights highlights the spread of extremism throughout the deep recesses of the internet, it also shows how extremist discourse and tropes have seeped into mainstream politics and media. Mr. Trump, who condemned the attacks, has frequently made racist remarks. That's a fucking lie. Enacted policies against immigrants and Muslims. Uh, I mean, he banned, like, from specific Muslim countries, um, courted white nationalists. You know, but don't worry about what Obama did, right? Like, Obama had, like, when Obama was president and all the stuff with the Ukraine, with, like, actual Nazis, you know what I mean? But, like, somehow that doesn't matter. Um, he said we're very fine people. Uh, yeah, so, you know, again, like, this, like, this connection between Trump and racism, I have found, like, there's a lot of stuff, right? Like, dude definitely said, grab him by the pussy. And I, you know, bang suckers, I get, I can totally get that's like, that's not the kind of guy, you know, you want as your president. That's fine. And especially for the like female population, I can totally see him as, you know, distasteful in that way. Um, and certainly, you know, Barack Obama came off like a lot more chill uh, in that. Um, but the like painting him as a racist, I, I have just always found that to be just like a big nothing burger. Um, it just seems like just some made up shit that got repeated so many times that now it's assumed to be true. You know, I mean, like. Yeah, I mean, I get that this guy mentioned Donald Trump, so, like, whatever, but, you know, it's like a fucking Australian, you know? It's just like, does it, I mean, are people in Australia, like, that obsessed with what's happening in America that there's not shit happening in their own country that's driving them to do stuff? That they're actually motivated by, like, what's happening in the United States but not in their own country? Um, you know, that that's the... Uh, 
I mean, that's the thing to me. It just seems like just a joke. I mean, and, you know, again, like this guy's just like trying to make fucking noise, you know? So, of course, everybody's, you know, the media's just going bananas about Donald Trump. So, you know, they're, uh, so he's like mentioned, he also mentioned Candace Owens, a black woman. So I guess, like, I mean, how's that fit into the like white supremacist uh, narrative? Like, clearly, this guy's just like putting fucking names in there. Um, so you know, Trump said it's a horrible, disgraceful thing. The attacks. Uh, if he saw white nationalism a rising threat, Trump said he did not. I think it's a small group of people that have very, very serious problems. I guess if you look. What happened in New Zealand? Perhaps that's the case. I don't know enough about it yet. Um, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, God, you know, God forbid, you know, uh, a politician say, hey, I'm not I'm not like actually totally sure. Um, the primary goal of the manifesto's article was to prevent Muslims and non-whites from taking over Western society, calling on white majority countries to crush immigrants, deport non-whites, and have more children to stop the decline of white populations. Yeah, but it was really to, like, get the left to overreact, right? To, like, try to push <laughs> them into having a race war. <laughs> uh, remove the invaders. Retake Europe. Uh, these goals, fine echoes and angry rhetoric. All right. So, I mean, it's still, I mean, I'm trying to find where they even reference this, uh, like, so there's this figure and now I'm like more than a page past it. Um, The ideas expressed in this manifesto are pretty widely shared. Yeah, see, this is like the total made-up bullshit. So, uh, without Christian culture, there will be no freedom in Europe, he said. If we don't protect our Christian culture, we lose Europe. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that seems by itself like whatever. I mean, obviously, don't go murder a bunch of Muslims. But, I mean... Dude, I have like a number of Jewish friends who, you know, I, I guarantee like really, really, really want to like keep their, you know, Jewish culture alive. You know, I mean, if like, like would people be pissed off if if like, um, I don't know, Muslims were like worried about just like having their culture, you know, taken over by something else and just like eradicated i i mean that's like i feel like there's just this this weird mixing of like racism and and culture like uh, you know it it's like they the state is is you know when when you have this like forced I, I don't know to me to me it's just like let you know obviously as libertarians like let people sort of congregate the way they want and i think it's like some people like to be around people that look like them that think like them you know that believe in the same god as them or whatever you know and some people like to live on the interfaces of that you know i'm one of those people for sure you know i i 
I don't, I wouldn't want to be like, you know, in this like living in just like some pure white society. And it just seems boring or I, I don't know, you know, like it's not, that's not like what I grew up being influenced by, like not just like some single, you know, culture or whatever. Um, but just because that's like how I am, you know, I don't think that that is like how I think everybody needs to be, I, you know, like, and, and beyond that, like, I actually think that there's a lot of good that comes from allowing people to sort of congregate in that. I think it makes the world more heterogeneous and like more interesting. Um, you know, like, uh, uh, certainly from like, well, obviously from a cultural perspective, right? Like, I mean, if you, uh, you know, like what is like the extreme to just have like, you know, everybody sort of like all the genes mix until they're just like a complete, like homogeneous mix of like a certain percentage white, a certain percentage like African, uh, a certain percentage of like Asian and you know whatever and then that's like the goal is that like everybody has this exact same like makeup and then everybody's the same but you know uh, everybody's not the same no matter what like it's never you know it's never gonna happen um but yeah man like I mean the mo <laughs> you know like uh I don't know like I love Italian food do you think if you just like um, if instead of like Italy being, you know, whatever their culture was for all these many, many, you know, hundreds of thousands of years or whatever, they, uh, were sort of like, I don't know, like overrun, you know, by like Muslims and it was taken over. Like, I mean, we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't have that. We'd have like something like totally different. Or if it was like a big melting pot, you know, kind of like the U S uh, you know, it's not, I, I don't know. I, it just seems to me like people aren't really thinking it through. Like, I don't think anybody wants that, you know? I don't think anybody wants this, like, homogeneous blend of, like, all cultures everywhere, you know? It's like, you want pockets, you know? Where, like, you want to go to, like, Little Italy and, you know, when you're in, uh, I think it's what it's called, in, in Boston or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, you don't want Little Italy to be, like, diluted um and I, yeah like that's not like that's what they want and and me as like just some half irish half german guy that really likes italian food like i want that to exist too like i don't want that shut down you know like i want to be able to go to like chinatown in philadelphia and and and, and like i don't want that to just you know be like just i don't know homogeneously spread with like all different cultures i mean what like i i just i don't know i just i, I don't get like i don't get that and and i feel like that is you know like the the thought is very rarely you know carried through so anyway in that sense like i mean i feel i i mean i guess it's like clearly like this dude's fucking racist and like outrageous right um and maybe i am just like splitting hairs or something but i do feel like you know like you know wanting to like preserve christian culture they, I, to me like i don't see anything racist about that by itself and in fact it's uh, probably a good thing right like 
but not just Christian culture. Right? It's not like preserve Christian culture and eradicate other cultures. Like, sure, man, like preserve, you know, all this, all this history. I mean, because once, you know, once it's gone, it's gone. <clears throat> and um, so, although its membership is currently under debate, Mr. Orban's party is part of the Europe-wide alliance to nominally centerate political parties whose members include uh, Merkel of Germany. Uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Orban return to the themes of major speech in which he made no mention of the massacre in New Zealand. Um, without Christian culture, there will be no freedom in Europe. Oh, I'm sorry. This was a, a different guy, Mr. Orban. Uh, these goals, yeah, remove the invaders. These goals find echoed in angry rhetoric. Matteo Salvini and Victor Orban, the prime minister of Hungary, Orban has condemned the concept of multi-ethnic society, repeatedly presented himself as a defender of the Christian Europe against the Islamic invaders and policies to have Hungarian mothers have more children. He didn't even mention the massacre in New Zealand. Uh, but yeah, and somehow like Trump gets all this, you know, shit. Um, anyway, so, and then... Uh, I'm trying to find like who said this. So then, then we have the ideas expressed in this manifest. This is a quote. So the I oh here we go. The ideas express, expressed in this manifesto are pretty widely shared beyond the really fanatic fringe, and not just the far right, but also the mainstream. Said Tori Bjorgo, director of the Center of Research on Extremism, the University of Oslo. Uh, I mean. I don't know what the fuck's going on in Oslo, but I can promise you that is not true in the United States. I mean, like what this dude did is just like outrageous, you know, like the, the that he thinks that this is going to like start a race war, you know, it like means that like, you know, I'm talking about the actual shooter. You know, it just shows that he's just like, he don't get it, man. Like, people don't fucking think like this, you know? <laughs> like, people, most people, like, it's not like there's just, like, a bunch of Republicans, like, oh, fuck yeah, man. Like, thank God they murdered all these these fucking people in this mosque in New Zealand. Um, and we, we really need to get on the ball and do that here. It's, it is a fringe. It's a really, it's like, it is the really fanatic fringe. And that's like, you know... That's the, uh, that's like the whole takeaway point. And, you know, they just say that, but, um, but there are very, but there are very, very few outside extreme fringes of extreme right who would take it one step further, try and start a race war. So, uh, yeah, like, okay, sure. I mean, yes, it's even like a tinier percentage, like, uh, I don't know, but it's still a very small, I mean, you know, again, they, the, when he says mainstream, I mean, in the United States, like he's obviously talking about Republican, you know, right only. So he's saying that Republicans widely share the beliefs in that manifesto. So <laughs> like definitely not true. Like a hundred percent. And this is a New York times, New York times. And remember this is a source for a Wikipedia article. So anywhere you look, this is what you're getting. Um, anyway, uh, 
the idea that this article like there is just a random like and it's small it's just this tiny little bar chart that you can kind of read that shows that in europe there was an increase and then now there's been a uh decline in mosque attacks in north america there's been a de an increase over to looks like 11 and at the top and then in Oceania, there's barely been any, and there's it's there's no trend that you could pull out of that um, by any reasonable use of statistics. And all of these numbers are like way too low to really do statistics on anyway. Um, but anyway, that apparently is the great source in Wikipedia um, that the attacks have been linked to an increase. So you know, so you go to the Wikipedia article and you assume that there is an increase in white supremacism and alt-right extremism globally. But when we look at the actual source, we find out that that is actually not the case. So where are we at with these, uh, with the Christchurch shootings? Um, trying to find, uh, yeah. So uh, probably, I. You know, I've seen a little... Oh, one thing I want to say about this. So I did... Somebody shared some conspiracy theory thing about it. Um, like, it was staged. And I saw some video where it was like people... Looked like... It was... I think it was supposed to be like video from after the shooting. Like, inside. And you just sort of saw people like... That were like laying down. Looking like they were dead. And then they just like stand up. And then later they're walking around. And like, they don't have any gunshots. And everybody's just sort of chilling. And it's like super weird and relaxed i don't know i saw another picture that they're saying look this is a picture that they keep sharing around and then look at the live stream it's like the the two the rugs are two different like they're they're it's not the same room um i saw that but i, I didn't uh really delve too deeply into it um because honestly man like i watched this live stream shooting it seemed pretty real man i mean that like there's one thing where they shoot this he shoots this woman on the street and uh, it's pretty pretty graphic. Uh, so I just sort of assumed that it was real. I you know I don't I don't know. Um, but uh, the oh yes yeah, yeah yeah. So I from that I I thought it would be interesting. I went on YouTube and searched uh, New Zealand or uh, NZ shooting false flag. I'm telling you, nothing comes back. It's all just mainstream media news reports on the new zealand shooting every single video and i promise you people are trying to upload this shit every single video like questioning the narrative in uh new zealand is being like wiped from youtube i i mean it, it's uh it's 100 percent. i i mean they can I'll, uh, I try, I don't like doing this because I feel like I'm on some fucking, uh, NSA fucking serve. I'm doing this for the people. Oh, you know, why don't I do a DuckDuckGo search? Let's see if DuckDuckGo lets me, NZ shooting falls flag. Um, No, that's not, uh, that ain't gonna do it. No, save search off. 
All right. Um, all right. I mean, there's something on here. Um, all right. I'm going to do. Yeah, hold up. I'm going to pause recording for a second. All right. Uh, I just paused it for a second. I was doing a search. I kind of figured out. So I one thing, uh, big announcement. I finally figured a schema to be able to play audio on um, from other sources on the podcast. It's kind of hacky, but it's, I just I was I was working with this program loop back again, and it's supposed to work. I don't know. It it seems to be like conflicting because I have an audio interface. But anyway, I just thought about it. I was like, hey, I've got like an iPad. I've got a laptop, a phone. I can just like run out of the headphone jack into my audio interface and record it. And so here you go. Here's a little taste. Um, I'll just play like, you know, 30 seconds of it. Um, but the interesting thing is if I found, um, all right, I, I didn't actually search on YouTube again, NZ shooting false flag. Oh boy. Um, Uh, I found one. All right. Well, I, I found some stuff. I don't know why I didn't find it before. Um, but anyway, here's a little taste. Well, I, I think this uh, gunman in New Zealand, assuming that all the information we're getting about this is accurate, and we always need to make that obligatory disclaimer about these kinds of events, given the prevalence of orchestrated and false flag terrorism, but uh, accepting the uh, mass media's portrayal of these events. I think it's interesting that uh, this, this gunman is lionizing uh, Trump um, at the same moment that uh, Trump himself is surrounded by the Zionist neoconservative wing of power in the West that actually created this entire clash of civilizations with their uh, false flag mind control operation on December 11th, 2001. So there you go. Good. Some good shit there. False flag mind control since 9-11. And yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, this guy is obviously an anti-Semite. And uh, I mean, Trump is very, very pro-Israel. Um you know, it's never again, this stuff's never tracked. But uh, anyway, I've been, you know, so they uh, the other thing is New Zealand went and banned like semi-automatic rifles or something after that, which was interesting that they moved so quickly. And, you know, after like Las Vegas, I mean, they actually, you know, uh, we were t uh, like after Sandy Hook, like I think fucking nothing happened. And then uh, after Vegas, they banned bump stocks, which is like people got mad about. But like who actually, you know. Who actually cares about that? Um, so let's take a peek at the uh, mold. I, I, I could go on, but uh, I, I spent sort of more time. I got really, really kind of lost in the weeds there. <clears throat> looking into that that claim about the rise in white supremacy or whatever extremism. Um, so the... Uh, what else do we have? The other big news is that the uh, 
see if we can get to this here. Um, you know, the mule, the Mueller, uh, Robert Mueller investigation, uh, wrapped up. So pull this up. So he, um, all right. Robert Mueller's Russian investigation is officially complete. Special counsel Robert Mueller has concluded his investigation into whether the Trump campaign colluded with Russia during the 2016 election marked the end of a probe that had gripped the nation for two years and loomed over Donald Trump's entire presidency. A Justice Department official said the special counsel had submitted a report of its findings to Attorney General William Barr. Now Barr and his team will begin the process of reviewing the report and creating a summary document that will be sent to Congress or perhaps publicly released. In a one-page letter sent to congressional leaders, Barr said he may be able to advise lawmakers of Mueller's principal conclusions as soon as this weekend, which DOJ expects to release to the public. Barr also noted that he would determine what other information from the report can be released to Congress and the public consistent with the law. One thing for sure, though, Mueller was never told no. Barr is required to tell Congress if DOJ later has ever refused a Mueller request on a major step. The attorney general handed, headed off such speculation Friday telling Congress there were no such instances during the special counsel's investigation. Uh, and senior Justice Department official put to rest rampant speculation about any forthcoming indictments. The special counsel is not recommending any further indictments. Essentially, DOJ's message was Mueller is done and he was allowed to follow every lead. So there you have it. Um, I am... Um, it was just a, you know, yet again, another big nothing that spent fucking, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars. They arrested people, you know, like people are actually going to be in prison for this, you know, um, because of this investigation and the investigation found nothing. I mean, nobody that got indicted has like anything to do with like election interference, you know, or whatever. I, I, it's it's pretty outrageous and um it got me thinking about uh the the deep state in general so i was thinking about like what is the deep state and i thought it was interesting wikipedia's page on the deep state is the united states the, in the united states the term deep state is used in political messaging to describe the theory that there is a hybrid association of elements of government and parts of top level finance and industry that is effectively able to govern the united states without reference to the consent of the governed as expressed through the formal political process I'd say that's like pretty fair. So uh, then I'm thinking like, okay, like what does, uh, what does the deep state do? Or, you know, what's some history of it? And I was thinking, um, I actually had missed it in the previous episode. I think the previous episode was March 10th. Uh, and this was on March 8th. Um, but I found this article, remembering the burglary that broke Cointel Pro. Um, whoops. 
On the 48th anniversary of the break-in at the FBI's Media Pennsylvania field office, reporter Betty Medsgar reflects on the role of whistleblowers in pursuit of government transparency. At the height of the anti-war movement, a group of seven dissidents calling themselves the Citizens Commission to investigate the FBI hatched a plan to reveal what they believed to be a widespread politically motivated domestic surveillance system run by the Federal Bureau of Investigation on March 8, 1971, 48 years ago. They broke into an FBI field office and media at PA and stole over a thousand classified documents. These documents led to the public exposure of the Bureau's now infamous counterintelligence program, COINTELPRO which under the leadership of FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover conducted widespread surveillance of American citizens and mostly left-wing political groups and activists, including civil rights leaders like Martin Luther King. According to Wikipedia, uh, Quintel Pro was an operation from 1956 to 71, was a series of covert and at times illegal projects conducted by the United States FBI aimed at surveilling, infiltrating, discrediting, and disrupting domestic political organizations. FBI records show that Pro resources targeted groups and individuals that the FBI deemed subversive, including the Communist Party of USA, anti-Vietnam war organizers, activists of the civil rights group, rights movement or black power movement, e.g. Martin Luther King, the Nation of Islam, the Black Panther Party environmentalists, and animal rights organizations, feminist organizations, American Indian movement, independent movements such as Puerto Rican independence groups like the Young Yard and a variety of organizations that were a part of the broader New Left. The program also targeted the Ku Klux Klan. The FBI also financed, armed, and controlled an extreme right-wing group of former members of the Minutemen anti-communist paramilitary organization, transforming it into a group called the Secret Army Organization that targeted groups, activists, and leaders involved in the anti-war movement using both intimidation and violent acts. So, this was, uh, people actually broke into an FBI office and got this information out. And, I mean, just listen to that, right? And so, and that was like from 56 to 71, and it was all like anti-communist or whatever. But like, what's the, you know, what's the vibe today, right? Like, the vibe is like, now it's all like, like, uh, like anti, I don't know, like small government, like, and like people that are like, uh, opposed to wars and imperialism, you know, empire building, like what are the, you know, people that, that are against welfare or whatever, you know what I mean? Like this, this is all the, you know, the leaders of today. And, um, and then you find Right. You think maybe that was like a long time ago. Uh, so um, Deputy Agen uh, Attorney General Rod J. Rosenstein suggested last year that he secretly recorded President Trump in the White House to expose the chaos consuming the administration. And he discussed recruiting cabinet members to invoke the 25th Amendment to remove Trump from office. Uh don't tell former FBI general counsel James Baker that the now infamous discussions uh, that excuse me, that was New York Times. This is the Hill, uh, the Hill.com. Don't tell former FBI general counselor James Baker that these now infamous discussions about secretly recording President Trump and using the tapes to remove him from office were a joke. He apparently does not believe that. Uh, and he held quite the vantage point. He was on the inside of the Bureau's leadership in May of 2017 when the discussions occurred. Baker told 
Uh, Baker told Congress last week that his boss, then acting direct FBI director Andrew McCabe, was dead serious about the idea of surreptitiously recording the 50th, 45th president, Donald Trump, and using the evidence to make the case that Trump should be removed from office, according to sources. So you, I mean, we, we have like a lot of people recording that the FBI, so now, and, and I think that like, so, so how does this all come together? So back, I think a couple things. I think right now, this president is the first president, and certainly in my lifetime, uh, maybe Kennedy was like another example, uh, first president in my lifetime that is not part of the deep state. So previously, the deep state was outed for this Pro program. I mean, fucking going after anybody. You know, they had paramilitary groups committing violence against people that were like, uh, you know, anti in the anti-Vietnam War movement, right? Like, just like out fucking outrageous. I mean, totally outrageous, right? Like what, like what else, what, what's worse than this? Like, I mean, the only, ne the next thing is just literally like open warfare, right? Like that this is like, this is behind the scenes. The next step is turning the mill, right? So the FBI is attacking people, uh, and then, and you know, another thing too is like, the, this seems like more of, I, I know, I think the CIA is like not supposed to operate inside of the United States, but like, what is the FBI like even doing? Like, it, like are, I mean, aren't they just like, uh, like law enforcement basically like doing, you know, investigating crime, you know what I mean? Like what is like all this is just so outrageous. It just says how, you know what I mean? Just how fucking stupid state run shit is like. Like, it's not even close to, like, the purpose of the FBI and, and, you know, they're doing it. And anyway, they got to find out. And, like, you think that they're not doing this now? Uh, you know, and then you know how the CIA operates. I mean, that's, like, like you know, they uh, trying to overthrow government. I mean, something I keep forgetting to talk about, and I'm not prepared to talk about again, but is Venezuela. Uh, you know, this is... This would be like the big one, right? Like we've all been saying kind of like, well, Trump's like pretty shitty, a lot of stuff, but he's like kind of a mixed bag, at least in the Middle East. Um, and he, hey, he's kept like the wars are still going, but at least he hasn't started any new ones. And now, you know, possibly Venezuela is a new one, you know. So, um, but anyway, uh, you know, like CIA is fucking at work all over the place, constantly trying to fucking overthrow leaders they don't want, you know, to get friendly ones in there. And um, but then, you you know, then you see like the, I mean, this is also happening here, you know, by the FBI. I mean, and now you see like that the FBI, the director of the FBI is trying to spy on the president. In order to like get him, you know, overthrown, get him out of office. I mean, that's like a you know a pretty pretty big deal. And then you look. I mean, it. I mean, to me, it's sort of like unbelievable that he's still, uh, you know, that he's like that he's still going. <laughs> uh, Dave Smith uh, mentioned that there's this deluxe video uh, or super deluxe. I'm sorry about um uh trump basically like the uh let's see here um 
super deluxe Trump is over or whatever. Donald Trump is finished. This is pretty funny. Um, Donald Trump's done. He's done. There's no question about Denzel that. Washington being He's interviewed. Done. Breaking news. A bombshell. Today is a turning point. Today was February 2017. Bad Trump today was March a 2017. Point. We're turning point April here. 2017. Of the end for the call for impeachment. Rumblings of the word impeachment. Breaking news. May. Bombshell out of the White House. I believe this is the beginning of the end. I do too. It's really the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. He may be feeling the walls closing in on him. All the walls closing in on him. The walls closing in on him. Breaking news, a new bombshell. One astrologer says this means the beginning of the end for President Donald Trump. The begin <laughs> All right. Anyway, it goes and goes and goes. It really never stops. Uh, it's pretty funny. I mean, we're only in August 2017, and uh, I think that this goes, like, all the way up until, like... Yeah, like right now. Uh, anyway, so, you know, to me now, like the the this deep state, I think it very, very much includes, you know, this mainstream media. And, uh, you know, they have been trying to drill this propaganda into everybody's head that, like, there's no way Trump, you know, is going to last in his presidency that he, you know, was uh, is a Russian agent or whatever, you know, and then this Mueller investigation concludes and like I, you know, I don't I don't know, uh, you know, what they got Roger Stone and Cohen we talked about last week, you know, big whoop like it. it's not Donald Trump. It's not anything that they said that happened. They completely failed. And um, I don't think that it's even going to slow down the rhetoric and the propaganda, uh, you know, one drop. It's just going to go. Uh, it'll keep going. I mean, they're just they're so they're like sociopaths like they just they have no feeling whatsoever. Um, but anyway, they, I mean, this was pretty big, right? Like, I, I, I think this say this i think this opened about two years ago it's almost been through the entire presidency uh just constantly in the news and besides a bunch of you know besides a, a few like indictments and um you know a few people that might actually serve prison time even though the actual investigation found no crimes except for people just you know, lying to the FBI, like as if that should be a crime. The FBI that that will like employ a secret paramilitary group to attack you if uh, they don't like your politics or if you, you know, dare to be anti-war. Uh, but yeah, so that's it. Um, I'm sure they'll they'll find a way to kind of keep it going. But um, I don't know. Mercifully, I you know, if I never hear the name Robert Mueller again in my entire life, uh it will be too soon. Um, I had a couple, uh, actually a number of other um, things I wanted to talk about. One thing that was interesting, and see if I actually have the link. Yes. So, um, 
San Francisco is considering banning cashless Amazon stores. Amazon, sorry, this is like a huge, like, um, mental turn here for you guys. Um, but, uh, I don't know, same, you know, same vibe. San Francisco considers banning cashless Amazon stores. Uh, so now we're really putting more of our libertarian hats on here. And, um, they Amazon opened two of its cashier-free stores in San Francisco and has plans for a third, but thanks to District 5 Supervisor Valley Brown, the Seattle-based online shopping giant may have to check out of the entire idea. She introduced a measure that would bar most brick-and-mortar retail locations that do not accept cash. For many city residents, for example, those who are denied access to credit or are unable to obtain bank accounts, the ability to purchase goods and services depends on the ability to pay for those goods and services in cash. This is especially true of the very poor. Millions of Americans do not hold bank accounts. Some stand apart by choice because they are concerned about privacy and do not want every financial transaction recorded by the banks and credit card companies. So I would be in that category to some extent, right? I would love to not be tracked. But not in any fucking way, shape, or form do I think that you should ban stores that own that don't have cashiers. I mean, it's just like what? Uh, like, so go shop at a store that accepts cash. I mean, what? Like, uh, I I mean, I almost feel like this is so obviously ridiculous, but. The thing that's not ridiculous is that um, they apparently have already enacted this ban in Philadelphia, or at least to some extent, about cashless banning cashless stores. Um, and people are saying, well, you know, at the end of the day, like Amazon could just have a like a little machine in there that you put cash in and it spit out a card. That, you know, you just basically charged up with cash and then you could use it. But, you know, that seems reasonable enough. It also seems like, since I would assume that exists already in the world, like, why does Amazon have to do it? Like, there's definitely, like, some way to do it, you know? The privacy thing is pretty funny. Um, but it's like, yeah, like, just don't use that store. I mean, it's not... <laughs> I mean, Amazon does not have a fucking monopoly on grocery stores. That's for that's for damn sure. Uh, so anyway, you know, government coming in to block innovation once again. Uh, so I wanted to bring that up. Apparently that's spreading around. I sure as hell hope they never do that in Atlanta. Um, there was some funny stuff I saw on Twitter uh, this week with Dave Smith. Uh, <clears throat> so some person was like talking about, um, how, oh, I, I found the original, uh, he tweets a lot though. Um, yeah, somebody was, was, uh, so some woman named Charlotte Alt. Alter national correspondent for time 
AOC and I were born in the same year. She was a Dunkaroos kid. I like fruit roll-ups. People our age have never experienced American prosperity in our adult lives, which is why so many millennials are embracing democratic socialism. Uh, and Dave, uh, Dave Smith had a pretty good response to her, which I just moved off again. And he says, if only my grandfather escaped from Nazi Germany and fought in World War II was alive to see the true suffering of the 29-year-olds in the 2019 U.S. Uh, and then she has a point, though. The millennial generation is far worse off than the boomers were at the same age. Obviously, more social, obviously, but obviously more socialism won't help. And he said, is that really a given? Medicine, technology, nutrition, entertainment, cars, planes, luxury items are all much better today. And then Robert Murphy says the boomers had Richard Pryor, the millennials have Dave Smith. Ha ha. Okay, so some things got worse. Um, but the point is that, you know, Dave Smith is making is that, you know, the market has still like pushed forward innovations in many, many areas. And, you know, technology has continued, continued to be developed and, you know, things are able to be produced more efficiently and cheaper than you know they were back when the boomers were uh you know the big boogeymen the baby boomers were young now that being said i do think it's an important yet subtle point to be made here subtle at least to some people uh overall i would say that you know the united states we have far more wealth today you know, than we did back in like the 50s, right? Like I'm, you know, I, I'm just computers alone, right? Like to think about the computing power in the 50s, um, you know, I'm pretty sure like what I'm sitting, right? I have a, an iPhone XS, I have um, iMac and an iPad all sitting here in front of me. You know, not to mention, I mean, you know, man, there's processors and all. Like, I have an audio interface, has a processor. Like, anyway, I've I've a bunch of like smart lights, right? I can just talk to my phone, and these lights change color. Anyway, the like the computing power that's sitting here right in front of me would probably, you know, probably is like more than like the U.S. government had access to in the '50s. And I just like have it sitting on my desk to record this this podcast. Uh, where I riff on libertarian uh, politics. So, you know, it's it's like incomparable, right? Like, like so that's, it's the wrong, like to say that, that like we don't have this prosperity is, is not correct. Um, what is correct is that the middle class has shrunk and, you know, the rich have gotten a larger share of the pie. Now, the pie is a lot bigger but the rich have more of it. And, you know, we've talked about that in the past. And to me, it's the monetary policy is the big one, right? I mean, there's a lot of other regulations, a lot of things cause, you know, that, but that becomes like almost infinitely complex. But to me, if I had to pick one thing, I would pick the Federal Reserve. And you can basically see that the middle class is growing and growing until we are completely off the gold standard in the 70s and once that happens that's the inflection point and now we're we've been heading the other direction so yes in my 
during my entire lifetime, I have actually only seen a consolidation of the percentage of wealth into the, you know, the rich, the, up, you know, upper class or whatever. And at, you know, being, you know, leached out of the poor and the middle class, which is the ratios, right? It's like, but overall, the middle class and the poor in the United States have far better access to medicine and various other technologies, you know, transportation. I mean, you know, with like, trust me, I know a lot of poor people that use like Uber and Lyft regularly, right? Like they just then call a chauffeur that picks them up wherever they are and takes them wherever they want to. And they're actually able to afford that, you know, shit like that, right? It's like, it's it's incomparable. I mean, you just it, it, you can hardly compare the worlds. So, um, or yeah, it's but like obviously, you know, I mean, it's just like astronomically more wealth now. You know, I another I, I think it was Jeffrey Tucker was talking about horsepower or something, or maybe it was Peter Schiff. But like you know, back in the back in like you know more distant past when like wealth was sort of like how many horses you had you know and this guy's like i mean the horsepower of my blender would have made me like a rich man you know back then like let alone my actual car uh or my lawnmower or something so um you know just totally incomparable you know that being said obviously the state has grown and i would say despite that like we've continued to prosper uh, I'm not sure if this would like ever just completely come to a halt or whatever. Um, but I, I, I wanted to kind of point that out cause it was kind of a, an interesting back and forth. So I see a lot of this stuff on Twitter that I don't, I don't talk about. Um, but that one was pretty interesting cause I thought it, uh, you know, it touched on what I think is a really important and often missed and maybe kind of subtle point. And, uh, let's see. The last thing I wanted to mention was since my last episode, Facebook had blocked zero hedge links completely from their system uh, and then for some reason reinstated them. So that's sort of interesting. That was probably the first time we've seen because uh, that's a pretty big deal. I mean, blocking zero hedge, zero hedge is not like even Alex Jones, right? Like, I mean, yeah, they, they may have like, be leaning one direction but so is like cnn right they're just leaning like a different direction or whatever um anyway but it's interesting that facebook backtracked on that and i don't have a ton of um you know uh to say about that uh other than you know i wonder i wonder like you know really why you know what it is is there actually like a limit to how far they can push like what was the backlash that kind of like actually you know got facebook to sort of stop doing that or you know maybe it isn't at quite as like uh a a kind of like orchestrated thing as we think and you know maybe just they like actually didn't mean to have it banned or you know they had just checked on that one and were like hey you know you didn't really violate anything um so yeah uh yeah i just wanted to hit a couple of like smaller 
I mean, that was a pretty big story when it happened. But then the fucking New Zealand shooting and the Mueller investigation sort of blew it out of the, out of the water. Um, they're also trying to tie Donald Trump. I think I might have mentioned that uh, last episode. But, you know, there, there's some still trying to tie Donald Trump to this spa owner that Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, apparently got caught uh, getting a hand job in. Um so uh, yeah, I uh, maybe that'll be the next thing. It'd be pretty funny if that after all this Mueller stuff, if it turned out that like yeah, like somehow he was like working with some Chinese woman that was like helping spy on America. Uh, so well, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I have noticed though, it does seem like CNN's been putting more like normal news uh, news on the front page lately. What do they got up today? Cruise ship being evacuated in rough seas. Now, if you go back, remember that uh, when I did that one episode, you probably don't, but I did that one episode where I, I went, I used the internet, the Wayback Machine, which shows you different, um, different. Uh, you can take snapshots of websites. So I looked at like during Trump's first year, during Obama's first year, during Bush's first year, and like compared what CNN looked like. And CNN back then looked a hell of a lot more like cruise ship being evacuated in rough seas than, you know, what it's been. This is all anti-Trump. So, yeah, uh, apparently. And the, the only... Um, there's very little Trump. Yeah, there's very little, uh, very little Trump stuff. They're talking about these 737 Max flights that's still out there that have been all grounded. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a you know, kind of a breath of fresh air. Uh, <clears throat> so, so we can look. Um, on antiwar.com, I'm going to wrap up with this. So uh, just one day after Trump reverses North Korea sanctions, just one day after Treasury Department announced new North Korea sanctions centered on a pair of Chinese shipping companies, President Trump announced in a tweet the order to withdraw some of those sanctions. The new sanctions were meant to be related to shipping company buying North Korean coal in violation of U.S. sanctions. This administration is yet to offer any clarity on why Trump overruled the Treasury Department. Um, okay, well... So that's not actually bad. Um, they have a thing about the Mueller investigation ending. Uh, two American soldiers were killed in Afghanistan recently. Um, yeah. Well... Doesn't look like there's any, you know, huge news. So I'm going to say next episode, I'm going to put it on there. I'm definitely going to try to talk about Venezuela. So I'll do some reading in the meantime. Um, but yeah, I'm going to leave you with that. I uh, hope you guys enjoy your weekend. Again, please share this around. Um, you know, I'm getting a little bit of an uptick, I think, uh, but very, very small, slow grind, which I guess is to be expected. I imagine there's like doing this sort of thing. You sort of have to wait until you maybe kind of get that episode that somehow clicks or you say 
that one thing that I don't know resonates and people really want to like get that get the word out there. But uh, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Patrick J Bradley, Facebook search Whistling in the Dark podcast, and on Gab I am Whistling in the Dark, all one word. And yes, so subscribe and share this podcast with all your friendos and your foes alike. Until next time, peace.